Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is the man who graduated from Satrum High School East, just down the road from the studio here in 2007. He played for the St. Louis Bandits of the North American Hockey League for the 2008-2009 season. In February 2009, he committed to play NCAA Division I hockey for Union College. That April, he was named MVP and goaltender of the year after he led the NAHL goaltenders and wins goals against average, save percentage, and shutouts. After an outstanding sophomore season in which he posted a 25-10-3 record and led the Dutchman to their first NCAA tournament appearance, he was named AHCA East First Team All-American. He was also named to the All-ECAC Hockey First Team and awarded the Ken Dryden Award as the best goaltender in the ECAC. He signed an entry-level contract with the Devils in April 2011 after his sophomore season with Union. He has appeared in 157 games in the NHL, as well as two playoff games. He holds a 65 56 and 20 record with a under three goals against average. It is a pleasure to welcome the pride of Long Island, Keith Kincaid, to Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Keith. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's doing great. You know, it's interesting because you really started proving yourself as a successful athlete as early as age five here on Long Island. In addition to hockey, you also excelled at baseball and lacrosse. Obviously, practicing baseball and lacrosse here on the island is a lot easier than hockey. What were some of the challenges for you at an early age to get enough practice to become a better hockey player? Yeah, I mean, I think hockey was always, you know, my number one sport. I remember uh, as growing up, I had to drop a sport each year because, you know, it's a little too much and you can't make all the practices. So, um, obviously, uh, thankful for my parents to, you know, always be available and take me to practice. So, uh, I guess it's, you know, you, you give all the props to them for getting me there. Was there a specific age where the other two sports did not have the same appeal to you as hockey? And what was it about hockey that won you over from the other two sports? Um, well, baseball, I guess, was always third, so it wasn't really that exciting to me to sit in the sit in the field and wait for. And I was also pretty young when uh, you know when I quit. So um, <laughs> then came the lacrosse and uh, hockey decision, and then uh, I think I was I was in uh, Muse at the time and. They said uh, for lacrosse practice right after right after high school. They said, uh, I guess it was either choose hockey or choose lacrosse, and <laughs> don't come back the next day if you choose the other. So I <laughs> I ended up not coming back to practice, and I still have the the tryout to be from that. So <laughs> <laughs> so growing up on the island, which of the local teams did you root for, and did you have a favorite NHL goaltender? Uh yeah, my favorite NHL goaltender was Marty Berder, who I had the pleasure of. Uh, being with a teammate with, so that was uh, kind of surreal. And then uh, I grew up uh, an Islander fan, so. Nice. You look at the influx of players from the island in the past 10 to 12 years, and it's pretty impressive. You, Chris Higgins, Matt Gilroy, Charlie McAvoy, Adam Fox, Sonny Milano, Anthony Potato. What do you think the reason is for the rise in Long Islanders making it to the NHL? Uh, you know, it could be a hotbed like lacrosse is here, but... Uh, <laughs> There are a few big, you know, uh, age groups here on Long Island. Uh, I know uh, the younger group, they have a lot of guys drafted too. So it's uh, maybe just the, the, the resources we have on Long Island. There's, there's plenty of rinks, plenty of ways to get on the ice. And, um, you know, 
plenty of training out here to you know be top level. So um, got to attribute it to that. We mentioned in the open about your time with the St. Louis Bandits as a, a USA Junior A in the North American Hockey League. What was the biggest difference you noticed playing under head coach, former NHL defenseman Jeff Brown, and the Summit Center in, in Chesterfield as opposed to here on the island? Um, I, well, one, he was really in, intimidating. Uh, <laughs> never want to be on the bad side of Jeff Brown. So. Uh, but, uh, no, I think it was just the, the opportunity to play elsewhere, play at a higher level, and... Um, not that the hockey wasn't good here, but I think at the time it was only uh, tier tier three junior A. So uh, just to get that, uh, I guess, exposure to more colleges and, um, you know, obviously being coached by a former NHL grade uh, didn't hurt either. So It's interesting because that team also had future New York Ranger Connor Allen, current Washington Capitals center nicked out on it. It would go on to win its third championship in a row. This one in overtime against Paul Baxter's uh, Wenatchee Wild, a game in which midway through the overtime period you made what Coach Brown called a save for the ages. He then went on to say, I thought it was over. For him to make that save was unbelievable. I've been saying it all year. He is the league MVP. He's been our guy all year, and again, he showed it here. Do you remember that save as well as the feeling when Clinton Borbonis would score the overtime winner to capture the Robinson Cup championship? Oh, I, I remember it all. Uh, I think we uh, shut them out five nothing earlier in the tournament, so we, I guess we were a little surprised. Uh, you know, we were finding ourselves in uh, overtime, but uh, you know they were a great team. I think Nick Dowd, who was on our team to start the season, ended up on their team, so it was more of a redemption, you know, revenge against his old team. But uh, it was <laughs> the feeling of making that save was great, and uh, we. <laughs> Off to our team, you know, we could usually outscore any team on any given night. So, uh, and they were really good defensively. So it was a great year all around for me and, uh, and the guys. So from there, you move on to play for Union College of the ECAC hockey from 2009 to 2011. What went into the decision-making process as to where to play college hockey, and what were some of the other choices? And what made Union and Coach Nathan Lehman, and then assistant coach, who's now the head coach, Rick Bennett, the right fit for you? Yeah, I think they. Uh, First and foremost, when you're looking, you want to look to play right away. So I think they gave me the option to, uh, you know, at least split, you know, half the season. Uh, um, obviously, you have to earn your ice time. I remember my first weekend, I didn't even get a sniff. So I was kind of a little confused and upset. But, you know, the campus, the the way they lure you in there is just amazing. It's beautiful there. They have great academics. And uh, obviously, you know, being the number one D1 team on the or I guess yeah. The only D1 team on campus was a, also a pretty uh, pretty good reason to go. All of those factors contributed to your success as a freshman. You're named the ECAC All Rookie Team, third team, and in your sophomore season, you go 25-10 and three, leading the Dutchman to their first NCAA tournament appearance. We mentioned in the open the Ken Dryden Award is the best goaltender in the ECAC. Was there a point in those two seasons where you actually felt at that point that the NHL was within your reach? Yeah, uh, at the time he was my financial advisor, but he uh, now my agent uh, ever since. So he's been uh, he was always keeping me in the loop with the interest and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I I think I said to myself, I I I really wanted to <laughs> I didn't wanted to do as least classes as I could in college. <laughs> you know, you could always go back to school after, but you never miss out on this uh, you know opportunity to follow your dream. But uh, you know, we had a great great team both years and we got better each year I was there and uh obviously you see I think they made the 
the Frozen Four the year after. So um, they did a great job recruiting there, that, like Nate Lehman and, you know, Bennett. They, they've always been so supportive of me uh, each and every way, starting from there in the recruiting process. So uh, just a, all the more reason to commit to them. Keith, this is Ryan Sherman. So as I would love to know, and as one of the many rare people who's played hockey at a high level all the way from one of the best you know, junior programs in the U.S. to Division One hockey to the AHL to the NHL, for you as a goalie, what changes at each level that you rise up through when you're not out there skating and let's say the guys are getting faster and bigger, but you're in between the pipes and that's still happening, but you need to adjust your game? Yeah, um, you know, I think it comes with experience each year, game experience each year. Uh, I know even professional, you're still learning. Every year you can learn something new, and every year you can adjust either your training uh, off ice, on ice, and whatnot just to, you know, stay stay on top of that and be at the level you need to be. Um, there's, I'm, I'm finding each and every year, even last year, there's always challenges, but you just got to be, uh, you know, be, <laughs> be, I guess end up on top of those challenges. So you're not drafted, but you signed with the New Jersey Devils after your sophomore year. What were some of the other teams that made you offers, and do you know who it was from the Devils staff that scouted you and found you? Um, there were a few other offers. I'm not sure of all the teams that actually, you know, I don't remember all all the teams that did send them in. I think a few were like Philly and um, I think Montreal did and uh, Ottawa. Those are probably the main ones with the Devils. But uh, I guess I think Lou Lamoureux and, uh, you know, Steve Pellegrini, they all had a, a say for, you know, getting a look at me each year and, uh, you know, keeping in contact with my, my personal, I guess, personal, whatever, financial advisor, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it was fun to, I think the real factor of going to the Devils was definitely, you know, being able to meet my idol. So that kind of... Yes led me to there and being close to home. Pretty special for sure. October 2011, you get your first call up to the NHL, serve as a backup for Johan Hedberg. However, you don't get to play during those six games you're up for. You return to Albany without making your NHL debut at that point. Was there ever a point during those six games that you thought you might be going in? And how did that short call up get you ready for the eventual, you know, real call up when you would start playing games? Yeah, uh, you know, you always hope, but you gotta, you know, be patient. I know Early in my career, uh, I wanted to make it up there right away, but now I am thankful for my three years in the, in the AHL before I did eventually make my first start. Um, goalies take time. Uh, you know, everyone takes time. Um, so I was very thankful for that. And, uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> sorry. All right. So you make your NHL debut March 5th, 2013, after Hedberg gives up three goals on the first 11 shots versus Tampa Bay. And at the 13-13 mark of the second period, Coach uh, Peter DeBoer looks down the bench, gives you the look, not the look that he's probably giving Marc-Andre Fleury right now, but he gives you the look uh, down the bench. And what do you remember about that moment? Um, I think my first uh, instinct was, where's my neck guard? I took off my neck guard that game, and that was kind of... The first time in those string of games that I was backing up, uh, <laughs> of course it happens like right. that. But uh, then our equipment manager Jason, uh, you know, he got he got all the stuff for me and uh, kind of like didn't know what to do. I was a little shaky, and um, I go past Hedberg, and he just gives a few words of encouragement, and uh, there I am, I guess, <laughs> facing Steven Stamkos uh, on a breakaway. Yeah, early you know, in the third. Kind of when I got into a little. 
wow, you made it. Yeah. So, uh, that, that was fun. <laughs> that was wild. You had the crowd buzzing on that, that stop of the breakaway. But it's also interesting because when you go in that game, it actually took 12 minutes until you faced your first shot. I have to imagine those 12 minutes must have seemed like a lifetime. Do you remember who you made your first save against? Uh, I do not, but, uh, you know, that's devil's hockey. If you, if you, right. <laughs> you ever seen it, you take a No, I, I don't remember. I, I remember who scored the first goal, and it was Nate Thompson. And uh, I finally got to tell him this past year, which and <laughs> he didn't even remember, I guess, too many goals scored. So, uh yeah. Uh, I showed him the video at dinner, and he laughed. <laughs> First save was against Sammy Salos. Not bad. But, uh, oh, so, wow. Right, so it wasn't until 2014-15 until you're back and you earned your first NHL career win, December 19th, again against Tampa Bay. You're also the only goaltender in NHL history to have each of his first starts go to a shootout. What do you remember most about that first win? Uh, yeah, well, you mentioned the shootout. I was like, oh, not not again. Uh <laughs> You know, two previous ones didn't go well, so uh, uh, no, it was just a relief. And I remember, I, you know, it was one of the guys that was in the minors. I think it was uh, Gianta or Sostito, you know, came up and rushed to me after that. But uh, I think the celebration by me said it all. It was uh, yeah. <laughs> a long time coming. So over the course of your career, you've been pretty good in shootouts as well, stopping 29 of the 46 attempts. Who was the toughest player to stop in the shootout for you? Um, I'd have to say my first, uh, my first shootout against, uh, Kane and Taze, you know, <laughs> they just won the, won, won the shootout two nothing, you know, not even a shot for, uh, for my team, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, they're just so talented and, uh, the hands on Pat Kane are just tremendous. So that, that's probably my most, uh, uh the, the hardest ones to stop because, uh, you know, I had no shot if you go back and look at it. Yeah, that's a tough one-two combination. I know that, that Marty Bredor just like, you know, he he had nightmares of Franz Nielsen. He said no matter what, you know, it's a guy just owned him. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, that, that's one guy. I uh, I think I that was my second shootout where you played the Islanders. And uh, I remember scouting his move and watching him as, you know, a fan too. So, uh <laughs> I was, I was happy to get a piece of that one. It's funny. It's always the same move too, which is it's it's like it's like Mariano's pitch. You know, you know it's coming, but it's still hard to hit. Uh, yeah, it's like like Oshi three now. Right. <laughs> First three seasons with the Devil, you serve as a backup to Corey Schneider. You look at how many backup goalies go on to have really good careers when they're finally elevated to that number one position. What are some of the things you need to do to serve in that role? while still having the goal of being a number one at, at, at some point, whether it be for the Devils or for another team? Uh, can you just explain that one again? Sorry. What's that? Can you explain that one again? Sorry. Oh, I'm saying that you know most backups, when they're elevated to a number one status, seem to have like really good careers. What do you have to do in the role of a, as a backup you know, to be able to serve in that capacity but still have that goal of wanting to be a number one somewhere else? Or with that yeah, team, uh, it's definitely a, a challenge each and every day. I know uh, going long stretches without uh, getting a game and having to, you know, be at your your highest level, you know, once every two weeks. That's tough. But uh, you know, when I was I was doing that uh, with uh, you know Corey Schneider, who's an awesome guy by the way, and uh, you know he just was always pushing me. I'd push him, and then uh, when you get that chance, you really have to perform. Like I said, and uh, you know, everyone wants. You know results. So, um, but you you got to do a little things too. You know, be be a good teammate uh, on and off the ice. You got to stay out late and 
do do all the little stuff until you can finally get in that role. So the last two seasons with the Devils, you are the number one. How does coming to the rink differ when you know you're the number one goalie of the team as opposed to the backup? Is there a different feeling each and every time you come to the rink knowing that you're the number one goaltender of your team? I would say so, yeah. You know, uh, when we were we made that playoff run, you kind of knew and felt it had a good feeling. Uh, you knew, you could, like, if it was a big game, you'd be put in. So you kind of have that chip on your shoulder and uh, as opposed to, you know, you, Middle of the season, you don't really you you're in a safe spot or way far away. You don't know what's going to come, so uh, definitely different mindset. But it's no excuse to not have the same mindset. Uh, you know, being the backup, so uh, you just got to stay level-headed. Either or. In February 25th, uh, 2019, you traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets in exchange for a 2022 fifth-round draft pick for added insurance for the Blue Jackets uh, in case Sergei Bobrovsky or Jonas Carposalo gets injured. You remain on the roster as a third goalie. You don't make an appearance for Columbus. How tough was that experience for you? Uh, I remember it being really tough, especially you know playing uh, 80 games the past two seasons and we were still in the current season. Um, but... Uh, you know, after all, you, you just had to make it work. You saw what, you know, the Devils had to move on from me. You know, Blackwood uh, was coming up, and, you know, they really wanted to give him a good look. And, uh, you know, the guys in Columbus did make it awesome for me. Uh, and Manny Legacy, you know, really helped me through a lot. Uh, you know, just being there for me, working with me. He was so easy, easy going to get, a, you know, to work with. So, um, And then that playoff run that Columbus had uh, – <laughs> Tampa. That was uh, that was kind of revenge, I guess, revenge for me too because of the year before when uh, I played two playoff games and they didn't go really well against uh, Tampa. So right. um, just to be a part of that was fun, and obviously you guys saw this series this this year. That was incredible. Well, yeah, right. So getting back to that series, uh, you know, you were around Corpy a little bit and 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 Torts as well, but um, that first game of that Tampa Blue Jacket series was just incredible. Uh, and Corpusala's performance, like, you know, I, I honestly did not have, I, I just had too much compassion. You know, I got the Zoom link to go to the, the post game, and, and, you know, at that point, what are you going to ask Corpy? It, you know, it's just, it's not even, you know, fair to put him out there for a press conference after that performance. Have you as a goalie ever been involved in, you know, that type of overtime where, you know, you start getting in the 50s and 60s shots against? And what is, you know, what is the pressure at that point as it goes to the third overtime, the fourth overtime, and the fifth? Yeah, uh, the pizza keeps diminishing at that point. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I played a college overtime playoff game against, uh, ooh, Forget which who it was against, but uh, we went five overtimes and lost, so that was kind of tough. <laughs> you know, next day trying to go in to play, and uh, you know I didn't play the next two games, and we ended up winning the series. But it was uh, mentally draining, and especially after a loss. But uh, you know, those like I said, <laughs> Corpy was just uh, outstanding. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's been a great, he was a great guy when I was with him. So uh, uh, during the playoff run last year for Columbus. We got to really work with each other and get to know each other. He's, he was awesome. So uh, I, I really feel bad for him. He played lights out oh, this year. Yeah, it's insane. As a free agent at the end of that season, you signed a one-year contract 
with the Montreal Canadiens on day one of free agency, July 1st, 2019. After playing six games for the Canadiens, which granted may not have been your best, but you only had one regulation loss in those games, you're placed on waivers December 2nd, 2019. Were you surprised at how quickly they they made that move? Um, and it should be noted that Carey Price was 10-12 and 12 at that point as well. Um, and the two guys who had been backups since your departure went 3-5. and five. So were you surprised at that? <laughs> yes, I was very surprised. Uh, I kind of didn't really know how to how to act. Um, I didn't think I was playing, you know, you know that bad. I I did have five points out of ten possible, but right. uh, <laughs> you know the numbers numbers weren't there, and it's a numbers game. Uh, you know, you have to perform. Um, probably a few goals I did want back, but uh, overall it was a, it was definitely a surprise. But uh, you know, life goes on, and. Uh, you know, eventually, uh, you know, I turned my season around in Charlotte, which, you know, those those guys were just tremendous to me. They showed confidence in me and trust, and um, they, they helped me through that, too. So that was, uh, that was awesome. Well, you, you mentioned Charlotte, and that's where it got really strange for me because, I, you know, I'm surprised, A, that you were unclaimed off of waivers, that they signed you to the AHL affiliate, the Rocket, um, and it's the first time you're back in, in the AHL since 2014-15, then they reassigned you on loan to the checkers of the AHL, the primary affiliate of the Hurricanes. When the Canadians originally sent you down to the AHL, did they tell you to go down there and play well and they'll recall you, uh, to work on anything? You know, what did they tell you? And then when they loaned you out to another team, did, was there any communication? Uh, yeah, so when, uh, I guess, they, did, they, they wanted me to just, you know, find my game. And, you know, I, I think at a certain point I did find my game and nothing happened, so... Uh, yeah, I, I don't really want to go into details with that. Uh, it wasn't really a good part of my career, so I'm not really uh, excited to talk about that. But when uh, when I did get loaned to Charlotte, it was a relief. Um, it was a new start, uh, you know, mentally and, uh, you know, in the crease. So, uh, I, you know, you can just look at the stats. Uh, I was having a lot more fun with, uh, you know, in a, in a place where you're wanted. Absolutely. So, in your experience, how much of an ability do you have at the NHL to develop? Like, do you believe that there really is space in the NHL to develop, or do you believe at that level that you're responsible, you know, the team holds you responsible for a certain level? And even in preparation, how much at the NHL, like practice level, as a backup who usually takes a heavier load in practice, is it, you know, is it about the time? Is it about what the team does and their way of really working with the players, or is it individualistic? Um, I guess it could be individualistic, you know, it could be, uh, you know, all the, all the above. There's a certain level of, you know, skill with everyone and, you know, it, it all relative uh, to the, uh, to the person. And, uh, you know, obviously a first rounder is going to get a look way quicker, you know, than a, uh, you know, say an undrafted out of college and, uh, you know, but, you know, you just have to perform at the end of the day. Um, like I said, I, for me, I know I was a little rushy to try to get up there, but uh, you know, I am thankful for my time and the development time, and to you know even grow as a person. Uh, I know I had a few things to grow up on, so uh, definitely helped me. Help, help, probably helps a lot of people. 
So you're a free agent again on whatever day free agency starts. Uh, you know, yeah. it's just totally lost track of the whole NHL calendar <laughs> here. Um, what have you been doing to be ready for next season? And what do you think would be, you know, not I'm not talking specific teams, but what would be the ideal situation for you to, to want to go to at this point? Yeah, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I just want a good, uh, you know, reset from, you know, last season and, uh just be in a good situation to, you know, be that be a regular NHL each day and prove that. Um, so, uh, you know, like I said, whenever whenever that free agency may be, uh, things things start picking up uh, a little later. So, um, just hoping for a good situation out of everything and, a, and an opportunity to, you know, prove myself that I do still belong to the NHL. Um, that's all I could ask for. Thank you. As a Sagem graduate myself, what was it like getting your uh, number retired by Sagem? Oh, that was fun. That was uh, I was kind of surprised at that point. Uh, you know, I really hadn't played many NHL games. And, uh, uh, just to want them to, you know, even retire that—that that was pretty cool. Um, especially being number one. Uh, you know, I was one in thirty during travel too. So uh, obviously, I like number one better. Had some good years in Jersey <laughs> under that, and. Uh, um, just, just be known for, you know, something, something good for your high school is always an honor. So. so lastly, looking back at your career to this point, what's your biggest thrill thus far and what's your biggest disappointment? And are, any, are there any specific goals in the game that you still want to accomplish? Uh, I'll start with that one. Uh, I think I still want to be, have that chance to be a number one in the NHL. I do think uh, I still have the ability. I'm working very hard already in the offseason. So um, just really excited for what comes and uh, comes my way. And then uh, uh, what were the other two? Biggest thrill and biggest disappointment. <laughs> um, biggest thrill, I think, was our playoff run with New Jersey uh, when we finally clinched that playoff spot. Uh, Florida had been chasing us for games and games and they seemed like yeah. they were never losing so that was kind of relief to, to clinch a playoff spot for the first time in five years in devil's history and i'd say biggest disappointment would probably be uh you know getting put on waivers and sent down uh kind of can take a toll on you kind of come in with a good attitude but uh definitely learned a lot from last year and uh can apply that uh, to my future Awesome, Keith. We appreciate you rescheduling. You know, we had that issue last week, and you were kind enough to make sure you fit us in this week. Thanks so much for your time tonight. We wish you the best of luck next season, just not when you're playing against the Rangers. And uh, <laughs> we, we hope you. Uh, we hope to see you for sure back in the NHL next season. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. You got it, uh, NHL goaltender Keith Kincaid.